Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer Sports Radio 810 WHB, wherever you get your podcasts and wherever you stream your video content. We are presented, as always, by the wonderful taste of Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. My name is Nate Bucati. Joined by Allie Trost, as always. Allie, how are you? I'm great, Nate. Ready for a big week of soccer here that, in the U.S. That's right. Jacob Peterson as well joining us. Jacob, how are you? I'm great, Nate. How are you? I'm a nervous wreck. <laughs> I'm an absolute mess, and uh, I'm uh, terrified. And it's not because of Sporting Kansas City. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest with you on that. I will put this out there before we even get started on the rest of the show. We are going to have an abbreviated show today because if you're listening to this in its original airing on Tuesday night on Sports Radio 810 WHB, we've got the NAIA National Championship game coming up for you at 645. So it's going to cut down the time of our show a little bit this week, but that doesn't mean that we're going to be short on awesome content because we're also going to have Roger Espinoza join us on the show, and we have a lot to talk about with him as well. But so I'm going to jump right into it, Jacob. I'm emotionally a wreck, and it's not because Sporting Kansas City are one and three. I'm not really worried about Sporting KC. Uh, I know it's a long season, and we've got players that are coming back from injury, and I trust in the system, and I think everything's going to turn out the way it usually does around here. But I am absolutely in knots over the World Cup qualifying that's coming up over the next three days because unlike my uh, fandom as a Sporting Kansas City fan, I am, I am scarred, I'm fragile, I, I am uh, I'm a whipped little puppy when it comes to the U.S. national team of late, and I've worked myself into a frenzy about all this. You've been working yourself into a frenzy for the last, what, six months well, at least, year? How long has it been since uh, that game in Trinidad? <laughs> I, I, think, uh, I mean, it's, it's a tough window, right? There's yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah at the Azteca, at Costa Rica, Panama at home. But I, I'm confident. I'm not worried at all, to be honest. That's I'm why really I need not. to have you on the show. I'm, I'm not. I, regardless of what happens in Mexico, I got to think they're going to win against Panama. And then Costa Rica, I mean, I think what scarred everybody, right, is last cycle, everything that went wrong could have gone wrong. Literally every single thing, especially on that last match day, right? I, I get people's apprehension and they're worrying, but I, I just think there's too much. Even with the injuries, I still just think there's too much talent on this team that they're going to qualify, and we're going to look back and think, uh, you know, what were we panicking for? Can the bad things happen twice in a row, though? That's the question. No, I, I think it's just what you see online surrounding this team is – Oh, I got to. I can't. I can't do it. No, I can't do U.S. soccer Twitter right you, now. You you almost have to like remove yourself because it's not reality. It's creating. I mean, they tell you this in just about every area of life. You don't need to think about all of the the poor outcomes that could possibly happen because then you're just creating unnecessary stress for yourself. And you know what? I hope the players aren't even doing a a second of that because we don't need that energy that you see online. And I'm sure these guys are on social media, but. That's that's where kind of the mentality part comes in here because these are part talent and they're part just grinding it out and having the right mentality all the way through. Okay, so yeah, if, if you're a player, if you're Greg Berhalter, I think you have to separate yourself from all of the things that have me freaked out right now. But I'm not one of those things. I'm just a helpless fan that cares a lot about the future of the sport in this country. And I look at it as this upcoming five years is the most – 
pivotal five-year window in the history of the sport that we all love here in this country. And that's saying something because there have been some pretty pivotal windows. I think you go back to the Peter Vermees team that qualified for the World Cup in Italy before it was going to come to the United States the last time around. We wouldn't be sitting here right now, most likely, if that doesn't happen because Major League Soccer launches as a response to the World Cup being here in 94. And when I think about where we are sitting right now in this state-of-the-art Compass Minerals Performance Center that's got the U.S. soccer logo all over it, a facility that nobody would have even dreamed could exist back then, and I think about where the sport has gotten and where it can go in this country in the next five years when we qualify for the World Cup this time around. See, I did that to be positive, Jacob. I like it. And then what happens in five years when this group of players have that experience under their belts and can really make some noise in the United States in five years, the stakes are just so incredibly high. That's the first thing that gets me that gets me nervous. And I know, like, if you're a player, when you're out on the field, you can't think about the magnitude of the moment. You just got to go play the game. But I have all this free time to sit around and think about it, and I do. And then the other part is, you know, we were you were talking about, okay, what this, this window says here. And I get myself stupidly reading the, the, the ideas of, okay, well, what if we go to Mexico and our players get completely run ragged, you know, and, and run into the ground at the altitude and come back and just have nothing in the tank for Panama, worst case scenario. Talk me, talk me off the ledge on all that. Well, <laughs> I mean, there was a lot there, Nate. Um, where, where to start? <laughs> first, stay off of Twitter. Stay off of social media. Fair enough. Yeah, Fair players enough. are on, on it, but... Yeah. But they also don't carry the, the same emotional baggage of all these fans. A lot of these guys were really young when the Trinidad and Tobago – and I know that they all know, and, and I don't think for a second none of them realize like what the stakes are and that they don't take it incredibly seriously. It's their job to take it seriously, but they don't have that same emotional baggage, and you would hope that they don't. Everything I've read as far as quotes from Christian players – Christian Pulisic cried in the locker room in the shower at that, that uh, game at Trinidad. Tranquilo. Like, let's just yeah, relax a little bit, okay? Be okay, you go down to the Azteca. Yes. It's not like Mexico's flying, right? right. They're no, struggling they, they want to fire their manager. I mean, we're second right now, and yes, it's all close. And theoretically, okay, Costa Rica could take six points from their other two, and, and Panama could too. But, again, I think – Ali said it. To think that the worst-case – the, that these events are going to unfold the way that you your nightmares tell you that they're going to. It, to me, there's no point in doing that at all. Those players don't care at all. Those players think, hey, we're going going down to Azteca. One point, maybe if we can get three points, great. But also, these guys are professionals. They're not going to – you can recover. You can play three games in a week. That's not that difficult. Now, if you're doing that for a month, sure, but three games in a week isn't really that difficult. And especially with the depth, man, I, I honestly, I'm not at all concerned. I, I'm not at all concerned about this. I, I really think that they're going to take care of their business against Panama, and I think that that right there is going to put them in. Just that That's just how I feel about it. How much would you rotate the squad from, from the Mexico game to the Panama game? I would rotate because I think you have options because it's not like Panama probably has 11 players that are good enough to compete, right? The U.S. has 30 maybe, even with injuries. I, I, I mean, playing Kellen Acosta, let's say, going down to Mexico City, 
I, I'm fine with that. Yeah, me I, too. I, I, like, I think that he's a guy that can battle, that can go in there. John Luca Busio, another player. I, I don't know if he'll play down there or not. He hasn't had that experience, but he's playing in Serie A right now. I have no problem with him going down there and playing. So I would probably rest Adams, but he's he's an absolute machine. So who knows? And, and for us to sit here and speculate, Greg Berhalter knows these guys better than anybody. Yeah. He's talking with the players. Every single player probably wants to play all three games. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what I would do, but I would probably rotate a little bit. But I, I also have faith and trust in Greg Berhalter. Speaking of rotation, we were talking outside a little bit. It was media, or there was media availability out here at Sporting. So, you know, of course, once that's all finished, the U.S. team gets brought up, and there was a, a large, you know, heated debate going on for for quite some time. But one of the things that was brought up was rotation, and and a lot of that talk has been, you've got an A team and a B team, and there's really no mix and matching between the two. When you talk about rotation, do you see it as being less of like, hey, we're putting out the A squad for this match, we're putting out the B squad for this match, or is it a little bit more of like, hey, plug and play with some different pieces in the group? Well, right now there's no A and B squad. There's just the team. There's just yeah. the squad that's mm-hmm. there. And everybody wants to play 90 minutes every single game. But everybody also understands the greater goal is to qualify for the World Cup. So, I mean, you could do that. You could do, hey, we're going to train with this group as preparing for Mexico. We're training with this group for playing for preparing for Panama. But, again – I'm not a coach. Um, I don't particularly want to be a coach because there's these these difficult decisions. But I do think that Berhalter has had that experience. He's been through some ups and downs even, and there's a little bit of a learning curve with this job. But and I, I just have so much faith in, in these players, regardless of their experience. I just think they're playing at the highest levels, day in and day out. They're They're playing against the best players in the world, most of these guys are. And... Going down to Mexico, yeah, it'll be it'll be challenging, but I mean, I think uh, I think I just have overall faith in, in the collective nature of both the coaching staff and the players. For the record, I agree with everything you're saying right now. That's one of the things that has me most excited about this young wave of players is they're actually players that are not making the roster right now. That I think in your, I mean. I'm a Celtic fan. The starting center back for Celtic right now is playing a phenomenal season, and he can't get on the team right now. In the past, if you were playing at a club like Celtic, you were on the national team, period, without even any questions asked. There's depth there. There's more and more depth coming, and I'm with you on that, and there's depth at the, at the, at the MLS level that's, that's in the, in the uh, national team as well. I'm excited about all of it. I just, I just work myself up into a frenzy, and so I'm glad that you're here, Jacob, right. to, to calm me down. And get me focused because it's it's United States versus Mexico on Thursday, then United States at home against Panama on Sunday, and then they close it out next week at Costa Rica. So there you go. There's our U.S. men's national team preview. Hey, set. I got to say congrats to Eric Palmer Brown too. How about yeah. that? Yeah, EPB. Yes. EPB, there's two now SKC yeah. Academy players in, in yeah. that group, which is – it's pretty impressive, and, and and still EPB still young, by the way. Yep. Like you don't think of it because he's been around for long enough, but still a young guy. All right, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, Roger Espinosa is going to join us. We'll talk sporting KC with him. We'll talk getting married, uh, all married kinds life. of other, yeah, married life for uh, for him as well. And uh, and then when we come back after that, we'll we'll preview a big match, by the way, for sporting KC. 
the rivalry just keeps getting renewed between Sporting and RSL, and we get the next chapter coming up this weekend at Children's Mercy Park as well. That's all straight ahead on the Sporting Kansas City Show, presented by Michelob Ultra. And we are back on the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for Sporting Kansas City Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, wherever you stream your video content. If you're watching on video, you can tell that I have moved over from the center seat because the man, the myth, the legend, Roger Espinoza, he gets to sit front and center when he comes and joins us on the show. <laughs> we are presented by the uh, delicious taste of Michelob uh, Ultra. It's only worth it. If you enjoy it, and uh, Roger's already, he's eyeing those Michelob Ultras right now, I can tell. After, after the game, after the game. After, after <laughs> the game, there you go. A celebratory one, hopefully, on Saturday after you guys take on RSL. How are you, man? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for having me on the show. Hey, it's, uh, we're always trying to get you on the show, but especially after you score a big goal. Uh, I know it didn't turn out the way you guys wanted to in Chicago, but we, we're looking for positives, and we thought there were a lot of positives, actually, that came out of that game, and one of them being that 19-pass sequence that led to the goal, because that seems like that's quintessential sport in Kansas City soccer, the way you guys like to play. Um, can you tell us what you remember about the whole situation and, and uh, maybe you know what are the big positive moments from that game? Yeah, I mean, I think every game you can take some positives out. Um, you know, it's been very difficult for us this at the beginning of the year, but it happens a lot in every year. You know, you try to figure it out, your team, uh, you try to get in shape, and, you know, as you can see, slowly it's coming for us. Uh, we had some injuries, but, you know, in the Chicago game, we knew we had to come and worked hard. Uh, you know, playing away is always difficult, especially the first three games of the season, um, or three out of the four games of the season, and, you know, going to Chicago and not having everybody, we knew it was going to be a difficult game. But, hey, we have an identity. We have a style to play. And we tried to incorporate as much as we could. Um, that's how the goal came. We never went away from our game, even though we played some different formations. Um, but, you know, we came out of halftime, you know, and said, you know, that we were going to work hard regardless of what happened in the game. We still going to keep fighting till the end. Um, you know, we able to keep the ball for lapses in the second half. And I think the goal uh came out of that you know we saw some spaces that were opening um i saw fonte give it to to dookie and from there i knew that you know saw the run from felipe i knew that i had it you know i had enough room to go and run in the box if the ball i uh, was serving you know luckily enough was there and somehow my foot just <laughs> <laughs> stuck out right there yeah where does that rank for you on uh the list of roger spinoza goals uh <laughs> if we would have won uh, it would have been perfect but hey you know it's it sucks, you know, because you always want to score and help the team win. Uh, it didn't happen, so we keep moving, and hopefully, you know, more goals come in the season. Um, that's something always that I want to improve. Um, but there's other areas that you have to help the team, and, you know, there's guys that are uh, better at that and get, you know, are closer to goal that score in our team. So for me, I just happen to be there this time, and, you know, um, you know, Hopefully next time I get to help with my goal. When we talk about helping the team, you know, you wore the captain's band in that game. We talked a little bit ahead of this last game against Chicago about mentoring the young guys and how your role as a leader changes when there are so many players in and out of the lineup. Um, when you look at just how difficult the start of the season has been, how, is, how has your role been on the team? I mean, you've played a lot of minutes. You've been wearing the captain's band when Johnny Russell was out. You've been doing a lot of mentoring of the young guys. Just how would you say your role uh, as, as a leader – on and off the field has been through the course of the beginning of the season? I mean, just the same. When Daniel and Johnny is there or Kyrie or Alan uh, or, or Gotti, it's the same, you know, but with the young guys, you know that you also, they need experience. And you got to think about that, you know, before you start criticizing everything. is. I was young one time, and we lost a lot of games when I was young. And Zeus was there, and Beasley was there, and Seth. 
and we lost a lot of games. Uh, but you got to see what what's coming in the future and what's gonna um, you know set you up for that. And and for us, you know, it was that if we won two years. Uh, we didn't make the playoffs, but for an uh, entire eight to nine years, we made the playoffs every year and we're contenders to win. So. Uh, if you want your younger kids to to get to that level, I mean, you have to have you know the confidence in them that hey, they need games, you know, um, they need games here, they need games at Swope, uh, and it happens. And for me, uh, you know, I'm there with them, right behind them, and trying to be as positive as I can. Um, but you know, uh, they're the present and the future of the team, so they're doing well right now, and I think they can step into any game. But slowly, you know, it's still 30 games to go. Um, and we all know in this league, you know, it's it's how you come in the playoffs. It's not how how you start and how or how you finish the, the regular season. Obviously, you get home field advantage and you want all that, but still, at the end of the day, you want to get to the playoffs with all experience and everybody healthy. So, two of those young guys you just talked about played a lot and and featured in that goal that we just talked about in Dukey and Felipe. Um, what what are you seeing from them so far this year? Uh, some of that growth that you're talking about happening. Yeah, I say it all starts in preseason. No, it all starts in preseason. Uh, both of them came, you know, with the uh, with the hunger to play. We had a little COVID, uh, you know, setbacks with injuries and stuff. But um, you know, I, not just them, but all the other young guys. Jake is right behind them. Um, you know, if you see Robbie, who's even got signed, but they're still young. So is Ndembe, um, uh, Johnny's Marinos. It's also the same. So. All these young guys are pushing, and, and it's great for the team because, you know, um, 20 games into the season, these guys going to have a lot of experience, going to learn about the league more, and I'm, I'm excited to see that. Roger, something that you had told me in mentoring those young guys, part of that job is also helping them out with their nerves and the, the anxiety that comes with a lot of these big games that they're playing and a lot of moments that they're experiencing for the first time. And you told me that part of that reminder is, hey, like I deal with this too sometimes. Like I get nervous too. It's hard for me to imagine that this far into your career, you still have those moments, but you know, what are, can you give me an example of a time where, where that kind of emotion came up for you and how you dealt with it and used it as an example for the young guys? Um, well, first of all, I think it happens because you want to do things well. Yeah. So if you want to do things well, I think you really care. And then that's when you put pressure on yourself. Uh, and that's where anxiety before the game comes and you get all anxious and that's where uh, expectations comes in and all that. And so you get nervous and it's part of it. So that knows you care, but you also start thinking, hey, I train all week. I've been preparing in the off season uh, and preseason. I worked very hard, so I'm ready. I'm ready for the test. And and for me, I dealt very well throughout my career because, uh, you know, I can't remember exactly uh, if it came just for me or from older players, you know, helping me. But there was definitely people there, and you see all the other players too, you know, the way they prepare for the game, all their rituals, uh, older guys and other players in other teams and how they they play against you and all that. So that prepares you on how you should be ready for games, uh, you know, what the coaches tell you. So, uh, you know, outside the field, inside the white lines, and you decide, hey, it's business here. Here you can relax more. And it, it all collaged in – um, it helped me throughout my career. And so if I can help them a little bit on that part, it's it happens. It's normal and there's nothing to worry about. If you're nervous, it actually makes me happy because that means you really care. You know, the the time you're, you don't you don't get nervous or or you're not, it's, it's, it's going to be a problem because you're not going to help the team because it's, it doesn't matter for you. 
lessons in life there, kids, if you're listening to the show. It doesn't matter how long you're doing something. If you don't have a little bit of that nervousness, maybe there's something wrong there. We got Roger Espinoza with us, and now we get ready for that rivalry game against Real Salt Lake. And, and we were just talking about it. The, the, look, the history is, I know I don't need to tell you mm-hmm. about the history between yourself and this club and the most recent chapter, those last two games at the end of last year. Is that a topic of conversation around here this week? Does anybody even need to bring it up when it comes to getting ready to play RSL? Um, I personally just take it, you know, it's it's league game. Uh, it's, it's a game we have to win at home. Um, you know, last year they were a very good team. They did very well. They beat us both times at home, and they beat us in South Lake in a very tough game at the beginning of the season, too. And after that game in South Lake, we actually ended up, you know, doing very well for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were looking for points when they came uh, late in the season here, and that's how they got in the playoffs, I believe. And they built off of that. They got a lot of confidence, so they're looking very good. Um, the rivalry has been there uh, because of the past. Um, you know, it's been there, and both teams, you know, are always in, in tough games like last year. So uh, for some reason, both teams always work very hard and end up either in playoffs or the last game of the season, and that's great for both teams and for soccer. Because, you know, that means, you know, there's you, you see great games come in, the, you know, the rivalries and all that. And it's good. It's good for soccer. And, um, you know, it's good that we're at home uh, this weekend, um, you know, and we're looking to, to improve in the season. Okay, but when you look back to that decision day game, I was – I had to talk to you right after that one. And, man, <laughs> let me just say, there are some times on the sideline reporting job where, you know, you, you get a little bit of time usually, like, okay, prepare some questions. you got five minutes. The game's not going to change too much. Literally in the final seconds of the game, everything that could have happened happened, and I'm trying to think of the words to ask you about this very tense and contentious moment in the game, the no-call handball that was widely talked about after the fact. You walked away from the interview. I don't blame you because it was just I, yeah. every, everyone was very <laughs> emotional. Um, but when you go into, and I know it's early in the season, there are other things right now that teams, not just Sporting Kansas City, are, are thinking about that are not at all related to last season. But do you think about that moment at all, the, hand, the no-call handball and the way that that game unfolded uh, and all the emotion that was there? I know that it's been a long-time rivalry. but that, She's trying that was to get you to say whatever well, you wanted to say well, when you walked off that time. Yeah. I know. We're, First we're, of all, <laughs> I'm sorry for walking away no, from the interview. No, I not apologize. Uh, that, uh, I felt that is, bad I even so talked to you. So before I say something that is, is not going to go well with a lot of people, I just decided to walk away. But <laughs> Smart guy. You know, but, yeah. but I, you know, it, it happens in games. Um, they won the game, and it's over. Um, you know, it's three points for them, zero for us, and you know, and you got to move on, and that's the game. Sometimes, um, I mo- moved on from that game, moved on from the playoff games. It is what it is, and you know, you got to come every year. Every year is a new year, and you got to do well. Um, you know, I'm not thinking too much about that game. Um, thinking about now with the with the team, uh, it happens. There's human mistakes in the game. Um, you know, we could have uh, scored before, or we could have played better, we could have done a lot better and not get put ourselves in that situation. You know, uh, I complain at the time, but it, it is what it is. That's how the game goes. Uh, some calls are gone for us. Um, it was tough at the end of the year. Um, and this and that's a lesson for us to come uh, this year and not make excuses, let's say, although there were some of them were not excused, but it's part of it. You, we we got to put ourselves in a good situation in order to get to the playoffs, like I said earlier. So uh, it was a tough game. It was a tough game, I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, I went home and, you know, it, it, it was very tough to to get my mind off that game, um, but we had to move on, and we have to move on now again. Uh, we have different players. Um, they also have some new players. Um, you know, we both 
equally motivated at the beginning of the season, and it's going to be a good game. All right, so we've got Roger Espinoza here, and let's move on to another topic, which is that, that shiny ring that's on your <laughs> finger, man. I feel naked when I don't wear this yeah. thing anymore. You know, I was like, I'm almost. Oh, yeah. That. yeah, that's a yeah. pretty one, too, by yeah. the way. Shiny over there. Um, yeah. So so what's what's married life like, man? It's good. It's good. You know, for guys, you kind of pick your own ring. Yeah. For females, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I wanted to do it because I wanted to surprise her, so I didn't let her know. I just kind of mm -hmm. got ideas. That's the way to yeah. do it. And then for guys, it was like, you know, it's like, oh, you just show up. Oh, yeah, I won that yeah. one. I just wanted <laughs> yeah. to do this. Hey, you did a great uh, job with yeah. Lowe's Ring. I've seen so, it. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, it's going well. It's going well. I mean, we're we're both uh, very busy. Um, and, you know, we play the same sport, so we're equally motivated. So uh, it's a lot of positive going on in the house. So that's, that's a very good thing. You know, there's very little negative stuff going on because we all know that we play in, in – in the sports world, entertainment world, and we got to be very positive. We got to do well, and that's it. See, that's what I'm fascinated about because you know, my, like my wife didn't know anything about soccer before she met me, and now she comes all the games, she watches all the games, and she's I'm I'm always impressed at how much she pays attention. But there's also that ability for me to get away from soccer if I want to. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. you guys are both immersed in it, and I'm wondering maybe you guys both know each other as competitors well enough to know that. If Lo comes home and she's in a bad mood, you just know to leave her alone? Or does it ever get to a point where it's like, man, I want to get away from the sport of soccer completely right now? Yeah, and that's uh, something really good uh, that I personally, you know, dealt with. And she also dealt really well with it, too. And I never, you know, you never know if you don't marry someone that is in the soccer world. But uh, once you're out of soccer, it's it's over. You don't, you don't worry about that. And we... We play other games and stuff, and those games are more competitive. And we're more negative on those games than our <laughs> soccer games. So she's actually pretty good at all other sports, like like every American. You know, they're good at all the other sports, and and I'm not as good. But uh, we haven't played a uh, pickleball yet. But that's that's the next uh, challenge for us. Cause uh, what sport is she yeah. most likely to beat you at then? Uh, basketball definitely. Yeah. When you go like any bar and there's like a little basketball thing, she Papa she, she yeah. makes every single one. <laughs> Uh, we challenge Ike too. We beat Ike one day. Nice. Uh, you know, couples uh, challenge. Uh, pool, pool. I'm I'm a better pool player, but she does really well. Uh, cornhole, uh, beer pong. I mean, you name it. It's so many games out there, and I don't like to play board games. She's a lot better at board games. Okay. I'm just very slow at that. But it's just every game you 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 can think out there. She's uh, pretty damn good. So very competitive. Well, we, we, we're out of time. Uh, we're going to have to try to do this again. I had yeah. to cut Allie off because we got many more yeah. questions for you. So we'll, we're going to break down all the different bar games that you guys yeah, compete I'm each other at. I'm very interested in yeah. this. <laughs> hey, Roger, thank we you so much for the time. We have Beer Olympics, too. We have Beer oh. Olympics. There you go. That's good when we yeah. have a few days off. That's, hey, what's the Michelob yeah. Ultra, right? Yeah, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> Advertising <laughs> world. I, <laughs> Roger Espinosa has been our guest. We're going to come back. We're going to preview this RSL game with Jacob Peterson right after this on the Sporting Kansas City Show. And we are back to wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. And coming up, if you're listening on 810 right now, the NAIA National Championship game from right here in Kansas City is coming up in moments. Of course, if you're listening on the podcast or streaming the video, we appreciate you watching, listening, downloading, and subscribing. And we appreciate our sponsor, Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it. If you enjoy it, Nate Katie, along with Ali Trost and Jacob Peterson. Sporting Kansas City RSL, guys, coming up this weekend from Children's Mercy Park. And 
I don't think any of us, Allie, need to be reminded about what happened the last two times Sporting Kansas City and RSL faced off at Children's Mercy Park. Uh, look, this is a regular season game early in the year, so the stakes aren't as high. But still, we all want to get out there and see Sporting uh, maybe maybe get a little you know, revenge against RSL this weekend. Yeah, and I haven't had a chance to talk with the players about that specifically because, like you said, it's early in the season. Sporting have enough of their own problems to figure out. They've lost three on the road. They only have one win. That came at home just 1-0 against the Houston Dynamo and had players in and out of the lineup, switching formations. They've got a lot going on not to mm -hmm. you know worry about what happened last season not to worry about rsl and where they're at but you know that that ended their season last year that game against rsl and before that it was the, d the decision day game that knocked them out of first place and so felipe hernandez touched on it a little bit in the media scrum today that yeah you know like we all remember what happened it carries a little extra weight for the group and i'm sure that that's you know on everyone's minds to an extent but you know th there's a lot going on right now with the sporting team that is way bigger than just this rivalry specifically um but look this rsl team is not one that you can look past whether they've been punching above their weight uh for legitimate reasons or a little bit of luck or just a little bit of both who knows but i mean they're a dangerous team right now they're really hot and they haven't just gotten uh to their what three and one record without you know playing against teams at the bottom right now it's, it's all been against really good competition in mls so i think it's gonna be a great game but one where Sporting's going to be motivated by a couple of things. How the season ended last year, how decision day ended last year, and also what they need to do to turn things around and start getting some points. So, Jacob, the uh, unless it's Benny Failhaber talking, we usually get the, the politically correct stuff, pre-rivalry game. Uh, give us the real stuff. Like, are the guys in there talking like, hey, man, RSL, those guys, they ruined our season last year. Let's get them. Or is that just something that we talk about on the outside? Well... I'm going to straddle the line, I guess, between a <laughs> Benny and a, and a, a Matt Beasler answer. Um, <laughs> that's a heck of a that's a heck of a straddle, by the way. <laughs> I hate Salt Lake, and, and as a as a fan, and I think even the players in the locker room, just knowing the the rivalry from Salt Lake, I, I hate that team. I, I hate going to Utah, playing there. Uh, I hate when their fans come here. I hate that they celebrated it and won and knocked Sporting out of first place last year and then knocked us out of the playoffs last year. That that upsets me. Um, as much as the rivalry with Houston is big, like Salt Lake to me is that one team that I, I just do, do not like at all. But Allie mentioned it. I think the players, though, yes, Graham Zussi, Roger Espinosa, the guys who have been along, around through all of those that – you know, the first fight in 2011 in preseason to now, you know, those guys have a longer but history, but so many of those players for Salt Lake are new, mm -hmm. and they're different. And even Pablo Mastroeni, I mean, the coach, he was on the other side of that rivalry in Colorado with Colorado-Salt Lake, that rivalry. He was Colorado, and somehow they welcomed him into Salt Lake. So as far as the rivalry, I think Ali said it, though, Sporting have bigger things right now and more important things, really, than a rivalry is just trying to right the ship right now and trying to get points and adding points. And Sporting's not where they want to be in the in the table, but I think it, it's not necessarily based on how they've played. Because of all the injuries, because of the injuries really to one specific group on the field, too. It's one thing. I mean, it's not like I've had a bunch of injuries, right? Mm -hmm. Ochoa, Krylock, Marcelo Silva, Rubio Rubin, uh, Aaron Herrera, all good players probably their best players yeah, those were like say. all the names we were talking about last year in both of those right. games but they're spread out 
throughout the team. So you can kind of, you know, plug and play guys in and pick it up. Where Sporting have basically all of their guys have been Mm -hmm. attackers. And when you lose that part of the field, especially early on, I mean, they're just trying to figure it out. Guys who have been with the team for two weeks are trying to, you know, do the hardest thing in the game, just break teams down, create goals. It's just so difficult to do that, especially when you don't even know, you know, your teammate's last name or, or middle name or whatever, yeah. you know, that you you don't have those personal relationships. You don't know the guy's tendencies. But I think Salt Lake, whatever they've been doing, they've been doing it right. And Pablo's done a great job leading that team and, and making sure, hey, it's just the next man up and we're going to make it hard to play against. Because you said Nashville, Seattle, New England, and on the road at Houston. And they're 3-0-1. I mean, three of those teams, Seattle, New England, and Nashville were three of the top teams last season, mm-hmm. yep. and they beat them all. Yeah, and it's it's crazy what they're doing, um, but I think this one is just about hopefully Sporting gets some players back. We'll kind of see um, as the week goes on. You know, hopefully one, two, maybe all three uh, of the guys up front are back. But and the Salt Lake team is just about that spirit and just about fighting and. They've gotten the results. And it can take you a long way. I mean, it's not maybe going to take you all the way to hoisting the cup, but it can take you through uh, and carry you when you are down key players and and in big games and big moments, which it has so far, at least for this RSL team. Yeah, and actually, sporting that Chicago game, while they didn't get the result, I really liked what they did in that game. They were tough to break down. And I've seen national writers talk about how Chicago Fire created all these chances I don't know what game – no, these people no. didn't watch that game because sh- that game, Chicago had nothing, absolutely They had nothing. what in the first half? Two shots? Two shots. And Tim Mealy is going to make that save again 99 times out of 100, probably 100 out of 100 mm. in, in any other stretch. It's something that – it's probably the worst goal that Tim's ever given up, yeah. and he'll probably admit that. And then the penalty was soft. And then the last goal was Sporting were throwing numbers forward. I mean, losing the ball. Tim probably makes that save too. Yeah. Uh, so – the fact that Chicago got nothing, really. They were just really efficient with the chances they did get because it's very rare to see a team get three shots on target and put all three away. Right, and it was just Sporting's mistakes. And But they had that fight. They had that willingness mm-hmm. to defend. Didn't give up anything. Scored a phenomenal team goal with a lot of their attacking guys, their regular attacking guys out. So I think there are a lot of things to build on from that Chicago game. Even the result, if you just look at it, lost 3-1, you know, that, that doesn't really do it. But the performance, man, there, there's some good things to build off of there. Process versus results is always a, a you know, we, we correlate result and process all the time. And honestly, you could go on the flip side. I, w- I went back and watched the Nashville RSL game yesterday. Nashville got to be walking away from that game going, how do we win this game? You know, they, they could have scored five, six goals in that game. Zach McMath. <laughs> Zach McMath played an incredible game. Going to be interesting to see, by the way, does Ochoa take his job back the way he's playing right now when he's healthy? That would be tough for me if I'm a coach to pull that guy out of goal right now. But sometimes, even if you, by hook or by crook, win a couple games, you start to build that belief and confidence. And on the flip side, you lose a couple of games – Maybe guys start to press a little bit, try to do things that they, they normally shouldn't try to do or, or whatever. And so to me, that's going to be fascinating to see in this game. And it seemed like Peter has been trying to really communicate that to his players that, hey, you guys didn't play poorly this last game, and everybody needs to stay positive and hang in there because you don't want that to become the case, right, where guys start thinking they got to do more than their own job to try to turn things around. Yeah, I don't think anybody watching that game, any of the players watching that 
they'll think, hey, we executed this game plan almost to perfection. And, and the vibe and in the locker room was very positive, given that the result was what it was. Every single player that I talked to after the match and, and even out here today at CM, or at Compass Minerals was, look, we, we feel like we executed the game plan. We got killed by a couple of unlucky moments, mistakes that you you turn those around and you've got a totally different scoreline. And just the way that the game unfolded in the times that the goals from Chicago happened just kind of really seemed to hit at times that sporting had really been building good momentum, which then in turn left them chasing the game. And when you're chasing the game, like you said, that third goal doesn't happen because you've got numbers forward, you're gunning to, to try and find an equalizer. And I think they just kind of couldn't really come out on top in that, in that situation because of how much they had to chase that game. All right, well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of the show. 6 o'clock on Saturday at Children's Mercy Park, Sporting Kansas City versus RSL. Get your tickets at SportingKC.com. If you can't be there, watch us at 5.30, starting with pregame on the Sporting KC app and SportingKC.com and on 38 The Spot. And, of course, right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB as well. For Roger Espinoza, for Ali Trost and Jacob Peterson, this is Nate Bucati saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Sporting Kansas City Show.